Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You gotta lose your mind in Detroit Rock City. What's up, everybody? I'm David Hellman. Welcome back to another episode of the NFL on Fox podcast. And if you're listening to this before Sunday, the Detroit Lions have the best record in the NFL. That's right. They went into Arrowhead Stadium and snuck out with a 21-20 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't act like you're not surprised. I know I am. I know I picked the Chiefs. Sure. In Detroit, I get it. Maybe somebody out there ordained this, but but I did not see it coming. Let's get into it. What a what a moment for the Detroit Lions, for Dan Campbell, and for Brad Holmes. I sat here in this studio two days ago and talked about what this season meant from the simple idea of the Lions being a hunted team. Oh, it, oh, it's cute when you rally back from six games under 500 and miss the playoffs on the last night of the season. But what are you going to do when people like me are talking about how good you are all offseason? What are you going to do when it's Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, and the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you're going to go into one of the loudest buildings in the league. You're going to fall down 14 to 7 at halftime, and you're going to rally for one of the biggest wins in lions history. Like that doesn't feel like hyperbole when you consider what this franchise has been through. And just for the record, Hey, Brad Holmes, lions, GM, Dan Campbell, lions, head coach, lions fans, who knows where the rest of this season goes, but you know, thump your chests a little bit for how this played out because it went to a script that, that Dan Campbell would probably be incredibly proud of. Think about the physicality that we saw in this game, the way the Lions played defense, the way they flustered Patrick Mahomes. Going back to Brad Holmes, the Lions GM, think about what your draft class did in this game. The entire game turns on its head when Brian Branch picks off a drop by Kadarius Toney and takes it to the house to tie the game at 14. So your second round pick ties the game with an interception touchdown. Your first round pick, Jameer Gibbs, maybe didn't light the world on fire, but for all the criticism that pick took, he touches the ball nine times for 60 all-purpose yards in a 21-20 game. Yeah, I'll take that all day. Second round pick, Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa. Five catches for 39 yards, had an amazing block to seal the hole for David Montgomery on the go-ahead touchdown that ultimately decided this game. How about Dan Campbell being gutsy enough 
to go for it on fourth down multiple times. It makes me happy in my football soul. And and one of them didn't work, by the way. I don't care. It makes me ecstatic that an NFL coach recognized that he's going against the game's very best and was willing to put it on the line on fourth down multiple times. Like I said, it just it just felt like a win that really fit the ethos of this Lions team, this Motor City, blue-collar, smash-mouth team. And who knows where it goes, but my God, is, is it a cool moment? And I'm excited for you and yours that are celebrating it. Now, let's be clear. Not a very pretty game of football. Like, that's okay to admit. It's the first game of the year. There's jitters to get out. There's miscommunications, and clearly a lot of them on the side of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think if you're a Chiefs fan trying to figure out what the hell that just happened, it's that even Superman can only do so much. That is my takeaway uh, from Thursday night on the Chiefs side of things. Not to take credit away from the Detroit Lions, but... Man, what a rough night for the guys that are supposed to prop up Patrick Mahomes. We know Chris Jones didn't take part in this game. He is still holding out. He was actually there with, I think, what were his agents? I bet he was seeing dollar signs, watching the Chiefs perform without him. We'll get to that. Travis Kelsey scratched from this game with a knee injury in the hours leading up to kickoff. And so if if two of the three superheroes on this roster can't suit up, even mighty Patrick Mahomes looks like that. Let's go over it, shall we? I already mentioned Kadarius Tony. One catch for one yard on five targets. Four drops, one of which leads to a defensive touchdown that swings the game. Sky Moore, the second-round receiver, who's tasked with really filling a big role in this offense. Zero catches on three targets. Rasheed Rice, the rookie. Nice night for a rookie. Three catches for 29 yards and a touchdown, but that comes on five targets. Patrick Mahomes and his receivers could not get on the same page. In a lot of cases, it looked junior varsity level. Kadarius Tony, looking at you, bud, like you are going to have a massive hole to dig out of in Kansas City based on the public reaction to this performance, if I had to guess. How about the offensive tackles? Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. I gave the Chiefs a lot of credit for how they managed to replace their two starting tackles from their Super Bowl run. It looked really good on paper. And the Detroit Lions reminded us that these games aren't played on paper. Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor, Donovan Smith, crucial holding penalty on, on one of the biggest drives of the game. The chiefs have a chance taking the ball over after a failed fourth down, they have a chance to go down and even a field goal wins you the game. Critical holding penalty, a critical false start by Jawan Taylor. Please Spare me the drama about how many times maybe that should have been flagged. I don't know. Take that up with, with Dean Blandino here at the Fox studios or take that up with the officials, but it didn't look great for Patrick Mahomes' pass catchers and his protection. Now, if I'm looking for a silver lining for the chiefs is that I think this will be fine. Honestly, I really do. Travis Kelsey is, is a great stabilizer and a great equalizer. He's a guy that commands a lot of attention. He's a guy that makes life easier on all of the players around him. And he's a guy that obviously quite simply knows how to get open and give Patrick Mahomes easy throws and easy completions. I'm not worried about the chiefs at all in the long run. I just think it was almost refreshing to be reminded 
that even the best quarterback in the league needs a little bit of help. You need good players around you. Even if you wear number 15 for the chiefs, that's my big takeaway. I think the chiefs will be fine, but man, I am excited for the Detroit lions again, maybe not the prettiest way to start this whole thing out. Uh, but from a narrative standpoint, a big, big win for a team that had big, big expectations coming into the season, a lot of fun. And while we're recapping Thursday, right as the game kicks off, I love pettiness and I don't know this for sure, but it feels awfully petty that the chief's biggest rival in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that's played them in two straight AFC championship games. As we're firing up the TVs to watch this game, Joe Burrow agrees to an NFL record $275 million extension. Literally, he he got $100 million more than Nick Bosa. Like, before we can even finish figuring out how big the Nick Bosa deal is, Joe just almost doubles that. It's incredible. Quarter, teach your kids to play quarterback if you can. But I love how this news comes down as the Kansas City Chiefs are about to start the season. The Bengals reminding you, hey, we're here too, and our quarterback is awfully good. I love it. I don't think there was any doubt that it was going to get done. What I love about the deal for the Bengals is now you can get to work on affording everybody else. Joe Burrow is taken care of. It's a lot of money. Who cares? The salary cap is going to continue to go up. It has every year. But now you can look at the rest of the pieces of this core. The Bengals have identified T Higgins as a guy they would love to keep. Well, that's going to happen in March. They they're out of time to get a deal done with him. Now you have a figure in mind. You can look at your finances and say, this is how much we have to play with. We can restructure Joe in the future. It'll free up this amount of cap space. And Oh, by the way, as soon as you figure out what to do with T Higgins, it'll be time to start talking about Jamar chase. He becomes eligible when this season is over. I think the Bengals would love to have all three of these guys, Joe and his two receivers in place for at least the next three or four years. Maybe it sounds counterintuitive, but knowing what Joe is costing you and having all of those years to play with, to, to maneuver the money, to, to play salary cap math. I think it actually helps the Bengals. And I feel better about the odds that T Higgins and Jamar chase are also with this team for a long time than I did before. That was a mouthful. Busy Thursday night. Busy start to the season. Can't wait for more. It's coming sooner than you think. And oh, by the way, to get ready for week one, I I got our biggest guest of the Fox on NFL, NFL on Fox podcast to date. I had my good buddy, Peter Schrager. Maybe you've heard of him uh, come to preview week one with me. Fair warning. This happened before the chiefs played the lions sue us. Sometimes you can't do everything live. So if you hear some uh, time inconsistencies, that's why. Uh, but I love chopping it up with Peter Schrager. Let's get into this week. One preview. The next guest does not need an introduction, but I will give him one. Anyway, he is a Fox sports NFL insider. He's got podcasts. He's got TV shows. What I didn't know Peter Schrager though, is that you are the super bowl whisperer. My oh, hell yeah. What? So this is, you have accurately predicted the last, is it three or four Super Bowl champions? Four. And Dave, I'll tell you, I'm pretty normally a humil- humble guy, carry myself with like just a lunch pail attitude as you do. We're blue collar guys. We didn't play the game. We didn't coach the game. We're blessed to be doing this for a living. 
And with this thing, I am arrogant as hell. I I, I am like, this is the one thing I will puff as my chest you should out because be. everybody in sports media brags about, oh, I called this, I called that. So this year I was like, you know what? I'm going to stunt on all of them. I'm going to take out the receipts. And yeah, I picked the Chiefs uh, over the Niners back in the day, the first time, because I'll get to where I go from here. Uh, then I had the Buccaneers in the COVID year. Then I got drunk on the new veteran quarterback joining a team, picked the Rams the following year. Then last year, I picked the Chiefs again, all the day before the season started. And today on uh, the NFL Network Good Morning Football Show, and I'll probably do it again on Fox NFL Kickoff this weekend. I took them damn Chiefs to repeat and be the first team to go back to back since the 04 Patriots. But yeah, I puffed my chest out quite a bit. Usually not my style, but this one I'm gonna wear it proudly. You know what? I'm I'm already, I'm jealous because you had convictions and you stuck to them. Because I I picked the Chiefs last year. That's an easy thing to do. I got I got bored. Maybe I got Chiefs fatigue. I talked myself out of the Chiefs, and I have a feeling I'm gonna regret it. So I commend you. Who'd for you go with? I, I went with the Dolphins just because it sounded... Dude, it, I love that. I no, love that. It sounded fun. They're very fun. I think they could do it. But, like, sure. is, is anybody going to be surprised if it's Patrick Mahomes again? Like, absolutely nobody should be surprised to see no, that. No, but there's also... There's no valor in picking the, the, the Chiefs to win. You know, in my case, it was like... Hey, look, I've got this streak running. That's who I really think is going to win. But if, I, if I'm being honest with you... The night before I had to make my pick and it submitted it, you know, you've got producers, you've got editors, you got all this stuff. You, you submit the pick and you're like chiefs over Niners. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Jets over lions sure looks better. It sure looks more fun. I went it sure for, makes more headway. You know, look, like, my, my NFC team and we'll, we'll get to your playoff teams. I know you don't have the Cowboys making it. I've got the Cowboys in the super bowl. So like I went, yeah. I went so far out of left field. But look, there might not be valor in picking favorites, but there's valor in getting five Super Bowl champions in a row, right? And I, I like your odds, my friend. Um, Dolphins, Cowboys, huh? I, that would be in Vegas, like those two fan bases. I mean, I live in New York City, Dave, and everywhere I go, it's Cowboys fans. And as much as it's Jets and Giants, I'd say Cowboys fans are right there. And I think that's the country. The other sneaky national team, and I think it's because when we were growing up in the 80s, it was Marino. You'll find a Dolphins fan in any American city you go to. You'll find a Dolphins fan in any conversation in any sports bar. Those are two great fan bases that have been starving for a Super Bowl appearance. The the Dolphins, of course, go all the way back to Marino, I guess, in '84, the last time, and then the Cowboys, of course, '95. So that would make a that would make the CBS folks very happy, ratings wise, much more than just another Chiefs one. I agree. All right, let's let's get into your cheat sheet. Uh, that, that is, that is why we are here. I think this is the, the third year you're doing this for us. It's, it is must see, must read content. Actually a guy that has, that has already started his season. Speaking of the Kansas city chiefs, it's, it is, it's very interesting to think about, I mean, who, who knew who Isaiah Pacheco was kickoff weekend yeah. last year. Uh, and now obviously, you know, how that went. And, and I am fascinated in that story and uh, it, he didn't even, I mean, Rutgers university, come on. I mean, what a cool story is that? Yeah, no. And it's an amazing story. He actually has an incredible, um, triumphant story. You know, both his siblings, and this is very like left turn here. Both his siblings tragically were killed when he was in high school, um, overcame that ends up at Rutgers, uh, becomes a star at Rutgers. But the thought was too small, can't get it done. Uh, NFL, not sure it really works. Can he pass protect? And then you put him in Andy Reid's offense. He was the angriest runner in football last year. And the concept for my article, and I want to do it week one before all these teams get going and we start learning, was 
who's the Pacheco this year? I called it finding Isaiah and it's who's going to be that seventh round or undrafted guy who we're going to be talking about in February, or we're going to be talking about in late December. Like if player X, you know, gets going, this team can win this game and make the playoffs. So I took a look at five different names and I said, let's find Isaiah this year. Who's going to be the Pacheco. I, as somebody who follows the draft, I've, I think I've, I've religiously followed every draft since 2013. So this, this topic speaks to my heart, like nothing. I wind up drafting way too many, like day three guys in fantasy. Me Cause too. I convinced yeah, like, like it. it's easy to fall for it, but like, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear this list. I'd love to go through this with you. And I mean, if, if even one of them hits and I can brag about knowing it in September, I'm ready for it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, week one, these guys are going to get action. And that's because of the sources I speak with at all these different teams. And the first one is Demario Pop Douglas, who's a five foot eight wide receiver at a Liberty who went in the sixth round to the New England Patriots. And they didn't showcase him a lot in preseason. And he didn't get a ton of looks in any of the national games that are the highlights that you would see during August. But they've got a spot for him on the lineup. He made the team. Um, he's going to have kind of an underneath role, also maybe punt returns, but pop Douglas out of Liberty, a sixth round pick. And if Belichick is playing a sixth round pick, and I know there's obviously, I'm going to like you know, easily go down a Brady line, but if Belichick's trusting a wide receiver enough to be on the field as a sixth round pick as a rookie, you better believe he's going to be a place piece of the offense. Um, they play the Eagles on Sunday over on CBS in a big showcase game. Brady's first return. Don't be shocked with number 81 pop Douglas is making some plays. I, 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 again, I pride myself following the preseason. Like as soon as, as soon as you said that they're not showcasing him in the preseason, I'm like, oh, that's, that's really fascinating. It's something. It's something. Uh, the next guy I got, I went with, he's out in uh, LA with you. Uh, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver for the Rams. Again, you're not hearing anything about the Rams right now. Everyone's down on the Rams and Cooper cups. Hamstring is the big story but they do have to play football games and they do have to have receivers on the field and they like Van Jefferson. They like Tutu Atwell, two homegrown guys they've had, but Nakua who also 117th pick at a BYU uh, an absolute stud during camp and preseason and speaking with Sean McVay, he's very high on Pakua Puka Nakua, not a household name, wasn't drafted in any fantasy leagues, but don't be shocked. They're playing the Seahawks and all of a sudden you look up and it's six catches for, you know, 58 yards Puka Nakua. Okay. That's all well and good. I mean, those guys at least are draft picks. This next guy, not even drafted. I, I love yeah. the I love the detail here. Tell me, tell me about Ivan Pace up in Minnesota. Ivan Pace Jr. out of Minnesota, unanimous All American at Cincinnati, but he's undersized, so undrafted guy. Uh, one of these stars that was a, a big college player. We've seen it a million times before, Dave, where the guy puts up huge numbers in college or is the college leader on defense and like just doesn't get drafted. Scouts just don't see it. Sure enough. The Vikings see it. They bring him in pro football focus had pace as the top linebacker of all of its linebacker grades in college football last year. And then of course they, he goes undrafted. PFF is like, that's your number one guy for undrafted free agents. And then he goes out and I think he might start Sunday against the Buccaneers. That's how good he was during the summer. And Brian Flores, defense is very complex. He needs to be smart. He needs to be fast. That's exactly what he is. So if the Vikings are going to do anything on defense this year, and they were horrendous on defense last year, they're going to have to make a major leap. Don't be shocked if Ivan Pace Jr., an undrafted linebacker, is leading the way. Starting for Brian Flores as an undrafted rookie is, I, I mean, 
let's let's gas that up. That's that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Okay, thank God for preseason resources because I'm looking at your list and I actually I went to the pronunciation guide for the next one. Yeah, do you have it? Because I don't. I can't do it. Do you have it? Why don't you say it? Then I'll give you all the details. I'm gonna give it my best shot. Andre Yosivas. Yeah, dude, that's great. And they call him Yoshi. Beautiful. Um, Andre Yosivas out of. Princeton. So you're talking about a sixth round Ivy league wide receiver out of Princeton, nicknamed the Romanian rocket. He's uh, from Hawaii. He was a black belt in Taekwondo by the age of like 12 uh, superior athlete. And yet the football, it's like, let's see, right? Well, at Princeton, he has this outstanding final year there. He gets drafted by the Bengals and they really like him. He made the final 53. I think he's going to dress on Sunday when they play the Browns and they they've gone so far as to like mic him up during preseason like in his final preseason game. They're not doing that for guys that they don't think is going to dress or be important. Bengals are going to be a Super Bowl contender this year, of course. They've been to the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl the past few years. Don't be shocked if the Princeton wide receiver I believe he's wearing number 80, he might have changed that for the regular season, uh plays some sort of role. Again, like knowing knowing the talent at wide receiver in Cincinnati for him to get a uniform on Sunday. I mean, that's a story in itself. All right. Last guy on your list, which I'm so glad to see him getting some shine because Roshan, I'm going to ask you for, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to ask you for your insight as a uh, Texas man yourself. So Roshan Johnson's my guy and you know, the size is 225 pounds and he's run back. And I think he's going to get carries in that bears offense, but I'm going to cede the floor to you because I'll be completely honest with you all these running backs in college, they start blending together. And I remember in the draft, like he stood out, but fourth round pick, I believe. What what do we need to know about this guy? I firmly believe that Roshan Johnson would have started at, I don't know, 80% of the programs in the nation, probably higher than that. Like Roshan Johnson could have had a much better college career. He just happened to get to Texas at the same time as a guy named B. John Robinson. That's not his fault. Like how and amazing is that? Actually like backup. The crazy thing is, Roshan Johnson sat out of his bowl game in order to preserve his, his health and like no judgment here. But I was like, man, are you sure about this? Because yeah, you know, you didn't get to play as much as Bijan did. And sure enough, he gets drafted relatively highly for a backup running back. He's in a good situation in Chicago. He's a rumbler. He's a, he's a physical guy. Like he's absolutely a guy that I could see winning angry run of the week. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I absolutely love the pick. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad to see him getting some shine here. It's kind of cool. Like there's been those in the past. I remember when Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown went in the same class, but for Bijan Robinson to be the most heralded running back in I'd just say probably since Saquon and for his backup to also get drafted says a lot about both of those young men. But yeah, uh, I know the bears Khalil Herbert is probably the one drafted in fantasy leagues. Don't be shocked if Roshan Johnson's carrying a lot of balls this year. Absolutely. All right, Peter, you had some spicy takes in your column this week as well. So I want to, I want to wrap this up with your, your yeah. bold predictions, which so I, I looked at it ahead of time and you started this thing off. You said, I like the Steelers over San Francisco, Bosa or not. And I'm curious now, you know, Bosa's there. Does it change your yeah. thinking at all? I think Bosa's going to play. I still have like the Steelers. I feel like the Steelers uh, have a, a home field advantage that is very real. I feel like they all played in the preseason. So they are already in a rhythm. And this feels like one of those deals where there's so much Steelers buzz right now that they're going to come out and these young stars are going to put on a show and San Francisco. That's a long trip. I know that Kyle Shanahan has been in the lab and I know that you might think, okay, well that defense can handle Kenny Pickett. 
I like an upset. And I know this is the uh, Joe Davis game, which is in Moose. And those are our guys. And we're going to all be watching at one o'clock Eastern on Fox. And I think we're all going to be coming out of that thing saying, did Mike Tomlin just find himself another franchise quarterback after 20 years of Ben Roethlisberger? And did the league really let that happen? I feel like Pickett's going to have a day. It it feels so good to be like really excited about the Steelers again. Like not, they haven't been bad. Obviously Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record, but, but yeah. I'm jacked about the Steelers for the first time in what feels like at least three or four years. Yeah. I, I put them in the playoffs this year and, and this year's AFC is so loaded that if you take one team in the playoffs, it sounds like it's, you know, some revelation, but if you're taking one team in the playoffs in a wild card spot, you're not taking another. And it's so loaded. That means that, well, then Baltimore might not be able to go or the chargers or the jets or the bills or the Patriots or the dolphins. So I've got them as one of my seven in the AFC. And I don't think many people do, but I think the Steelers are ready this year. The AFC absolutely stresses me out in terms of prognosticating. So <laughs> All right. But to, to stick with this Niners Steelers matchup for one second longer though, I mean, it sounds like you've got some big expectations of this 49ers team and particularly their running back. Yeah. I got McCaffrey as my MVP. I don't, I don't think this is going to be uh, an ordinary season from this guy. I think he's going to have to be Superman for this team to do what I think they can do. And that's go to the Super Bowl and be the one seed in the NFC. I think he's done a thousand and a thousand on a worse Carolina team. He's got a full off season with this San Francisco offense and Kyle Shanahan knows what they gave up and what they're paying him. I feel like he's going to have no problem featuring him in a lot of different ways. The beauty of their offense, as you know, it's positionless. So Debo can do this and use check can do that. And Kittle can do this. And I think McCaffrey's the engine that goes and Purdy is like, Purdy's like a robot, man. It's like, do this, do that. Like he's not trying to improvise and and put you on skates. So I, I think the offense is being drawn up for Christian McCaffrey. And we haven't had a running back win the MVP since I believe Adrian Peterson in the mid two thousands. I think this is the year. I think a lot of those quarterbacks are going to cancel themselves out and I'm going with a big swing. He, I think he's plus 8,000 if you're looking at the sites. And I think he's 25 on the list. If you're going down all the players, as far as favorites go, but that's where I live. My friend, it's, it's like we were talking about earlier. Like, of course, a quarterback will probably win, yeah. but what fun is yes. that? We're, we're trying to have yeah, fun. Go, go say, say Josh Allen. Great. Let's have fun. <laughs> it's Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Yeah. So from one of the most fun offenses in the league to um, not, you have some big expectations for, for the Denver Broncos to rebound from, from what we saw last year completely biased. All right. I would say I'm unbiased and objective. I'm an insider. If Sean Payton told me he was coaching the Winnipeg blue bombers and they were in the NFL this year, I would take them to go to the playoffs. Like that's how much faith I have in Sean Payton and getting his team. Right. And remember Parcells used to join new teams and right away there'd be success. Like some of these guys, it's just the culture and the getting things in order. And I, I think Russell's going to be much better than he was last year. And again, this is procrastination. Like I, they can go five and 12 and I'll look at you and be like, ah, I, I took a swing and I, I took a swing and I missed. Um, I just know Peyton really well. He worked with us at Fox last year. He, he's a, he's a relentless competitive. Yes, he is genius. And he's an SOB in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. Like he does not give a, you know what? And I think his sole mission right now is to bring respectability back to the Broncos. I don't know if there's a single coach who is more desperate for his fan base and for his team right now than Sean Payton. So I went with Payton as a wild card. I can't tell you how, and I can't tell you who's going to make that happen. I just, I, w I would trust him anywhere. I don't know how it happens either, but as somebody from new Orleans, I'm not betting against him. Absolutely not. Yeah. Let's stick in the AFC West because this, I think this is the spiciest take of all. 
And that's, that's your Max Crosby prediction just because, and I'm sorry to Raider nation. I don't foresee a great season for you. So if Max Crosby is capable of winning defensive player of the year, as you allege, that would be, I I mean, that would be incredible. Yeah. I think this is the one award where like team outcomes hasn't historically been such a big deal. And so that's why I don't have the Raiders going deep or anything. I I don't have them making the playoffs. I have Max Crosby winning defensive player of the year. I think he leads the league in sacks and I think he takes that leap. I know that at the uh, joint practices with the Rams, Max Crosby was unblockable. And I guess you could say, well, the Rams offensive line is the people who from both sides are like Crosby looks incredible. And that's not enough for me to say defensive player of the year, but again, same vein as McCaffrey for MVP. Let's take a swing. Um, Crosby has been an emerging superstar in this league for years. And I believe he can get 20 sacks. And I think that this might be the season, uh, defensive player there. I looked into it. Cortez Kennedy, the late great Cortez Kennedy, who you're a new Orleans guy. He's a former new Orleans saint, of course, uh, as well as a Seahawk when he's at the Seahawks, I think in 92, they went two and 14 and he won defensive player of the year because he had the best year as a defensive player. I think it's an individual award, not a team award. And I think Crosby's going to be the best individual defensive player this year. I love it. Like, I, I mean, Hey, nobody's going to remember who all picked Micah Parsons anyway. So yeah, let's have some fun. All right. Like Bosa, what, great. <laughs> exactly. Two of the hardest to predict divisions in the NFL, the AFC East and the NFC North, who you got. It's like the jets and the lions. And that's not me doing shock value. I think both these teams are greatly improved. And as we're recording this, the lions chiefs kick off and I'll tell you before the game, and I might look stupid when this thing posts or when you guys are listening to this on your podcast, but I've got the lions beating the chiefs in week one. I feel like they are legit. And then I think the jets are going to beat the bills in week one. I think they are legit. And I think they keep that going the rest of the season. Uh, Two fan bases that have been, you know, just completely cursed, terrible, terrible last 20 years for both teams. Um, You know, the, the history is there, but I don't think these, these two teams representative of those past histories. So I'm going to go jets, AFC East lions, NFC North and deal with all the shrapnel. If it goes awry, which leads to the flip side of that. And we touched on this a little bit earlier, but if teams get in, somebody has got to get left behind. And it sounds like you've got uh, what you've got both of my Super Bowl teams not yeah. making the playoffs. I mean, I didn't even know those were your teams before we got on this, but that's in a bullet point on my on my cheat sheet. I think the Cowboys and Dolphins, who last year both had amazing seasons, Cowboys 12 wins, Dolphins, if Tua doesn't get hurt, who knows? I've got them both missing the playoffs. And it's, I want to talk Cowboys real quick with you because no one's more plugged in with them than you, or at least, Let's do it. you know, you've got a feel for it. Like, Am I, am I being too short-sighted and just saying like, I, I don't know if the Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott offense is going to be as good as Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. I I've become very friendly with Kellen and everyone's like, Oh, you're just a Kellen Moore guy. I'm like, I'm not, we're not going to dinner or anything. It's not like that. I just really respect what he did with the Cowboys and with Dak and was always in Dak's ear since he was a player. Um, they let Kellen leave. And I feel like Jerry thinks that they were never going to get to the top with Kellen. And I think McCarthy kind of said, I got it. Brings in shoddy, whatever it is. Um, I want to wait and see on that. I, I I don't think Mike McCarthy, um, is the head coach for no reason. I think this guy won 12 games in a row and is fantastic, uh, in a lot of ways, but you're talking a very important piece of what their success has been on offense has been that killing more. And I guess on that alone, I was like, I'm not so sold on the Cowboys offense. Defense can be great in the NFL. You need to score points. I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's, it's weird how many cowboy fans and people 
almost like celebrated Kellen Moore leaving. Yeah. I'm like, uh, top five in offense for four straight years, guys. Like be careful Every what year. you be careful what you wish for. Having said that, I trust the personnel. Uh, and I trust that Mike McCarthy is smart enough not to rewrite the playbook. Like, I think this is mm-hmm. still going to be stuff that Dak Prescott's comfortable with stuff that he knows how to do. And it's an offense with great offensive line. Do you, do you feel like, and I know again, Cowboys fans and NFL fans were like, he's his best days behind him letting Zeke walk. And obviously the salary didn't make sense, but not trying to bring Zeke back. Like, is that, do you feel like you miss Zeke at all in this offense? I do. I, I think Pollard's great. I, can we see Pollard for 17 games as the number one guy? I don't know. I was worried before training camp. And I, I thought about bringing this up during your five day, three guys, but man, I'm, I'm juiced for Deuce. Really? I am juiced for Deuce, yeah. man. Like, look, he's not going to carry the ball 20 times a game. He's, he's no. going to be a role player, but He's got juice. He's got elusiveness. He can play a role as a receiver. I think a lot of NFL fans, like he's a cool story because he's my size and he made the NFL. I mean, this dude was, he's, he's right up there with Darren Sproles as one of the best players in Kansas state history. He's a unanimous all American Uh, between him and Tony Pollard. I, I feel good about the Cowboys running back prospects. And I'm not, I'm not like so convicted on this. Look, if the Cowboys go 13 and four, I'll be like, yeah, that made sense. I made the wrong pick. I, it's just, there's only so many playoff spots and I didn't have the dolphins or the Cowboys. I get it. One team that we agree on. I think one team that really everybody agrees on that's the Cincinnati Bengals, but you are, you are very high on the Cincinnati Bengals this year. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to be great. And I've got the chiefs beating them in the playoffs in their building. And like one of these heartbreaking losses for Cincinnati fans. And I'm sorry in advance, but I think the the Bengals are the one seed. I think they, they have a, a tremendous season, like a 13 and four, 14 and three type year. What about you? I mean, I, I think, I think the Bengals win their division. I, so my hot take actually, Peter King stole my hot take right out from under me. I've got Jacksonville as the, the one. Jacks, seed. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel really good about that for a lot of reasons, but I see the Bengals as, as a 12 plus win team. And I absolutely think uh, they're going to be one of the, if not one of the last four, I mean, divisional round at the bare minimum, maybe AFC championship game for sure. Yeah. And that's my next point uh, on this article. I go to 10 points is number eight. Mahomes is just going to gut them just like Burrow did to them two years ago. I was in that building. Um, one of the coolest games I've been to live, the outcome wasn't great for the home team, but that ch- that chiefs Bengals AFC championship game two years ago in Arrowhead, when they were down 21, three and burrow just was like, I'm going to anoint myself. Like we're going to do this. We're going to get this thing done. I think Mahomes got the best of them in the AFC championship game, but there were some questionable plays there and it was in Arrowhead. It's not a slam dunk that like either quarterback has the other one's number because they've gone and won big games and the other teams build there, you know, Mahomes hasn't won in Cincinnati yet. I feel like this is a big one. And I feel like Cincinnati is going to have the one seed. They're going to be booking their tickets to Vegas. And then Mahomes is like, not so fast. He beats them. I think, uh, you know, we were talking at the top of this, like maybe you get a little bit fatigued about talking about the same teams, but like, if you love football, are you really going to be uh, mad that you get to see Mahomes burrow again? Like I'll, I'll watch that every January for well, the next the decade. stories. Right. And now we've got this budding thing and it's like for years, it was like Manning and Brady. And, and then after that, you, you know, we've been kind of grasping or like, yeah, well, there's also, you know, Rogers versus the Dak and the Cowboys Packer. Like, I, it, it was Manning versus Brady and we've been waiting. And I think where we might be on the precipice of putting this burrow Mahomes thing into that conversation. And that's a shame because Josh Allen's great and he's in Buffalo, but he hasn't had that big win. Like those guys have over the other two. All right. So we're talking chiefs Bengals. We know how you feel about the 49ers. We, we talked about your super bowl prediction. 
for Las Vegas. What what do you got? We get to February. It feels like an eternity from now. What are we going to see? Do you, as someone who does this on a daily basis, like myself, do you dread the start of the season? Do you look forward to the start of the season? Or like when you hear February, does your heart like sink? Or are you like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Part of me is like, I have such anxiety that like, oh my God, there's going to be so many stories and there's so many things to do. Like, how's it all going to, but it always ties up in a bow at the end, you know? And like, I, I've, as we're sitting here now, as the season started to kick off, I'm like, it's so overwhelming. And yet I think at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, two of the best teams in football, two teams that went to their conference championship games or won a Super Bowl last year. I think Kansas city wins 34 to 28. Um, and all the anxiety and nerves I have right now, like it doesn't matter. None of what we say matters as far as predictions go, because in Las Vegas, when it's six o'clock Eastern, we're all going to be there at the game. We're going to be watching the game and we're all going to be like, yeah, this makes sense. This is how it should be. I think there's definitely anxiety that comes with the start of a season, especially if your job is to know all of this stuff. But, (laughs) but at this point with kickoff, finally so close, just go. It just, the, the hard work is done. And now we actually get to watch the games. Like I'm, I'm on cloud nine. You get it. Like, you know, we do the morning show on NFL network and it's every day, but it's also in May and June and July. And I always laugh. I'm like, if, you know, Calais Campbell does a funny Instagram post, we're doing five minutes on it. Like, cause we're just looking for content. Once the season starts, like oh. you don't have to do anything too creative or cre- like, the stories write themselves. Like football's here. And you know, we're kicking off this weekend. And I always say my favorite time of the NFL season is that first kickoff in the Sunday, one o'clock games or 10 AM games in the West coast. And it's like, all those kicks are going off at once. And you're like, all right, the plane is up in the air and let's just go for the ride. I I'm absolutely, I'm there with you, my friend, you're on the East coast. I'm out here on the West, but, uh, regardless, I think it's going to be the same, uh, incredibly fun ride for both of us. You heard it here first. Peter Schrager says it. It's going to happen based on recent history. The Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58. The fun thing is, even if you're 100% right, the ride to get there is going to be a blast. Yeah, and there's going to be some hiccups and bumps and bruises along the way. And if Pop Douglas goes for 200 catches and 1,600 yards, then you better believe (laughs) I'm going to be on this podcast every week keeping track. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you on this podcast as often as possible. So whatever... Whatever grudges, whatever bragging you want to do, you you got it, man. You got the platform whenever you want it. That's Thank good. you. Thank you so much, Peter. We'll talk to you soon. I loved it, man. Thanks, Dave. Good luck with this. Thank you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Absolutely love catching up with Peter about week one. One game we didn't really touch on, though, is my favorite of the week, and that is America's game of the week. Of course, I could say that because this is the NFL on Fox podcast, but I would say it anyway. This is the juiciest most interesting matchup of week one. That's what makes it perfect to be America's game of the week for week one in our 30th anniversary season of the NFL on Fox. And it's, it's not just because it's a rivalry, which it is. It's not just because it's two of the oldest and most storied franchises in the NFL, which they are. But for my money, 
this is a game between two division rivals that have a chance to launch completely new eras, completely new definitions of who they are as a franchise. It's the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears going at it Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field on Fox. Did I mention it was on Fox? Because it is. That's where you can find it. But let's get into this. I mean, we know the overarching storyline, right? It's a wide open NFC North. Aaron Rodgers is nowhere to be found. He's not even playing on Sunday. He's a New York Jet. He's got the Bills to worry about. The NFC North feels as wide open as it has in a long, long time. The Chicago Bears trying to launch a breakout season with Justin Fields. Yes, it's his third year. I know they're, they're, it's not a new face, but the vibe around the Bears feels as different as it has in quite some time because of what the Bears have done to set Justin Fields up in his third year. You have the number one overall pick. You trade it away. You bring DJ Moore in from Carolina. You draft Darnell Wright. You build up the offensive line around him. The talent on this team, and it, it's certainly not the most loaded team in the NFL, but the talent on this team feels night and day from what the Bears were last year. I mean, they picked first in the draft, for God's sake. Now you couple that with the it's 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 hard to truly think about what this means for Green Bay and the opportunity that is in front of Jordan Love, who will be making his second start for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday afternoon. It was Brett Favre. It was Aaron Rodgers. I mean, with the exception of a few spot starts because of injuries, two men have played quarterback for the Green Bay Packers since the early 90s. It's 2023. It's just weird to think about. And now think about what's at stake for Green Bay, what they've gotten used to. You realize the Packers have won eight straight in this series? Nick Rago, I know you know what that means. One of our head people here on the NFL and Fox podcast is a diehard Bears fan. He knows what that means. Uh, the Packers have won 17 of the last 20 games in this matchup, y'all. This is a big deal for the Bears, not just to see what Justin Fields is, but to get the Packers monkey off their back. Can you imagine on the flip side what it means if Jordan Fields rolls down to Soldier Field and wins? His second start against Justin Fields' 26 career start. Imagine the trash talk that's going to come from the Packers and their very large fan base if they go down and spoil the Bears party at Soldier Field. It's going to be so much fun. That is, that's the central theme. And on top of that, it's one of the more quarterback heavy matchups of week one for all the reasons I just listed. It's very fun to talk about what Justin Fields might be able to do this year with a better supporting cast. He was one of the best running quarterbacks ever last year. The passing game wasn't good enough with DJ Moore, with a better offensive line. He has the potential to be that player. I think we talked about this in the NFC preview. I think, I think MVP, I think all pro is a little bit premature, but that's, that's the important thing for the bears is it starts with figuring out if Justin Fields is your franchise quarterback. It starts with figuring out if he's a guy that can help you win division titles because sorry, bears fans. That just hasn't been the case in Chicago. The thing that gets lost in the Justin Fields conversation, in my opinion, is we don't know how much longer he will be the bears quarterback as of right now. That sounds crazy. When you think about the potential for rushing yards and maybe he'll be a pro bowler this year, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is that bears general manager, Ryan Poles, bears head coach, Matt Eberflus did not draft him. 
the last regime, which they ran out of town, drafted Justin Fields. If he's not remarkably better, if he does not look like a franchise guy, even forget the playoffs, forget all that stuff. If he doesn't look like a dude with this much talent around him, what's the point of continuing to build? What's the point of thinking about the fifth year option? What's the point of earmarking money for an extension? He has to play well this year because if he doesn't, then the bears start looking for his replacement and they've got the ammo to do it. The trade back from number one landed them Carolina's first round pick. They'll have two next year. If they're not good, if Justin Fields isn't good, they'll be in position to use those picks to go up and get another quarterback. If that sounds offensive, I'm sorry, but that's the reality of the NFL. So it's not just the bears postseason hopes on the line here. It's it's Justin Fields future and it's whether or not the bears are finally going to have that franchise guy. On the flip side, we finally get to see love. I think we, we've all done this to death. We all get it. Jordan Love is finally getting to start after being drafted in 2020 and sitting all these years. They readjusted his contract. It's not as, it's not as dire for Jordan Love from that standpoint. The Packers did extend him to kind of take some pressure off of himself. But again, when you're talking about 25, 30 straight years of exceptional quarterback play, it's a lot to live up to. And on top of that, the Packers, this is my hot take from the NFC preview. The Packers are ready to compete. Maybe not contend, but compete. Like this is a good roster. The offensive line is good. David Bakhtiari closer to the end of his career than the beginning, but uh, an all decade caliber tackle Elton Jenkins is there. All five of their starting offensive linemen are still there. The defense has seven first round picks. We've beaten it into the ground. The running back duo, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, is one of the best in the NFL. Like, if, if, if Jordan Love is decent, the Packers are a competitive team, and if he's good, the sky's the limit. That's what's at stake. That's what makes it so juicy. I do want to get into two smaller storylines. Obviously, look, everybody's going to be looking at Fields and Love. You didn't need to tune into this to know that. But when you're watching this game, there's a couple of things I'm fascinated to see that are going to be playing out and drastically affecting both of these guys performance for the bears. That's the, probably the biggest guy on the field, Darnell, Wright, The gigantic man wearing number 58, the guy that the bears wound up drafting with the pick that they got later. Well, actually two trades later bears fans. We'll see how the Jalen Carter thing plays out. We'll see. We'll see if the second trade was really necessary, but Darnell Wright, incredibly exciting. I think he's going to have just as much to do with fields potential emergence as DJ Moore playing right tackle. This is a hell of a test Darnell, Wright. Maybe the Packers aren't the best pass rush in the NFL, but you're going to be going against Preston Smith. You're going to be going against Rashawn Gary. He'll probably be on a pitch count, but he will still be out there. You might even wind up going against interior guys like Kenny Clark and Devonte Wyatt, the highly touted guys that are manning the middle for the Packers. This is going to be tough. This is going to be like, uh, that's, that's what I love about this is it starts right from the get go. Welcome to the NFL. My dude, here are some guys with some pro bowls on their resume. I hope you were worth the pick. So watching Darnell, Wright Again, I think it has just as much to do with Justin Fields as DJ Moore does helping the running game. How does that look with better offensive linemen up front from the Packers standpoint? Feels kind of dicey on the offensive side of the ball. If you're following the injury reports this week, 
Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are on that injury report with hamstring injuries. Both can't say I love the sound of that. If you're a wide receiver and check this out, y'all. I looked this up. If, if Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs can't play both rookies last year, Christian Watson caught 41 balls for seven touchdowns and 600 yards last year. Romeo Dobbs caught 42 for 425. If you remove that production from the Packers offense, this is what you're talking about from your pass catchers, not counting running backs. 44 career catches for 450 yards. The vast majority of that coming from Josiah DeGuerra, the number three tight end, and Samari Toure, another young receiver, caught five passes last year. That's what the Packers are replacing. That's why they're the youngest receiver and tight end core in the NFL. There's rookies all over the place. Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, and Dontavian Wicks are all rookies. So are Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, the tight ends. If Christian Watson and or Romeo Dobbs aren't available, who the hell is catching the football from Jordan Love? It's got to be somebody from a mathematical standpoint, but I can't say I love that as a matchup. Maybe the Bears don't have the best secondary in the league, but it is a strong point of their team. Whether you want to talk about Eddie Jackson, whether you want to talk about Jaquan Brisker, who looks like he could be a star in Chicago, the Bears have talent on the back end. And if guys can't get separation, it could be a long day for the Packers offense. So that's the two things I'm watching other than the obvious. I got to be honest. The other thing that makes this really fascinating is that I don't know which way it goes. Before I saw the injury reports, before I was worried about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, I, I said Packers win. I'm high on the Packers this year. I picked them to win the division. I can't say I feel confident about it right now, but it is week one. and. Look, I, I'm not bailing off the bandwagon before a game's even played. So I'm, I'm hoping desperately that one of these guys can get into the game. And I've got the Packers going down to Soldier Field to spoil this coming out party. A very, a very tight game. Give me, give me 24, 23 Packers. I can't wait for this one. My favorite matchup of the weekend, plenty intriguing, and I'm very confident it's going to live up to the hype. Fox actually has another of the best matchups of the weekend. It's an early one. It's not going to make it any less exciting. The San Francisco 49ers traveling out to the Eastern time zone to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's too good of a matchup to do it all by myself. And who better to help me preview it? I got the guy calling the game. Fox Sports' own Joe Davis is here to help me break down the Niners and the Steelers. Joining me now, I'm I'm really excited for this one, really honored to be talking to our next guest, a man of, of many, many talents, NFL on Fox's own Joe Davis, play-by-play for the NFL, for Fox's MLB coverage, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like I said, a guy who does it all. Joe Davis, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, you got it, Dave. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I doubt I'm as excited as you are getting to cover one of the best matchups of week one, which let's jump right into it. You're you've got the call for San Francisco and Pittsburgh Steelers and 49ers. And it's very rare uh, to have something so topical happen. Literally, as we're setting up to do this interview, the 49ers end Nick Bosa's holdout signing him to a massive contract extension, which I assume means we'll be seeing him in uniform for this matchup on Sunday. I'm curious as, as the guy who has to call this game and I've seen, you know, you, you put together a board, so you've got your players straight and you know what to, 
you know who you're talking about and you know what to look at. When you hear news like this, like, does it does it change your preparation? Like, did you did you have the Nick Bosa tag somewhere else and now you put it on the board? Like, how does it change your job when something like this happens kind of last minute? Yeah, I guess I've probably been a little bit like the Steelers have where they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to plan on him playing. And if he doesn't, you figure it out. I, I've kind of been planning on them figuring the deal out and, and him being in there. And especially Dave with the position he plays where even if this had gone another couple of days, I think there's still a chance that we would have seen him Sunday because you know what the job is for him. It's put your hand in the ground and go get the quarterback. And, and even if there was a little bit more to it than that, which we know there is, He's been there a while. This isn't anything new to him. So I was kind of figuring, I mean, the deal had to get done and I was figuring that it would, and, and it would need a ton of time before Sunday for him to make an impact Sunday. This is one of those. And like I said, this is one of the most interesting matchups of week one. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's obviously it's two storied franchises. It's two fantastic and gigantic fan bases. But on top of that, it's, it's, you know, a dominant NFC team against what seems to be an up and coming AFC team with Kenny Pickett in year two. I'm curious. We know the 49ers are good. I mean, we know that they've been regulars deep in the NFC playoffs. So how much knowing the talent that they already have, how much does Nick Bosa's presence, at least in some sort of role in this game, uh, affect your opinion of what we might see on Sunday? Yeah, I think that it's huge. I mean, if there's any guy that can take the number one defense in the NFL, make it completely different when he's in there versus when he's not, it's the defensive player of the year in Bosa. So, yeah, still really good, still really talented. Probably would have been favored even without Bosa on Sunday, but I think this makes them, and not just Sunday, but period, as scary of a team as there is certainly in the NFC. Obviously, the teams are really interesting. Like I said, it's, you know, it's 11 combined Super Bowls. It's about as good as it gets from a from a legacy standpoint. But the personalities are really great, too. And and you guys heading into this matchup, you get to meet with both Kyle Shanahan and Mike Tomlin. I'm curious. I think it's so fascinating the way that y'all get to to pick these people's brains individually when you get to town on a Friday or a Saturday uh, kind of see where their head's at, uh, getting to to meet with them in these production sit-downs. Knowing that and, and knowing the track record of these guys, what are you as a broadcaster curious to ask Mike Tomlin and Kyle Shanahan about when you get a chance? Well, one of the things that I can think of with Mike Tomlin is he's talked a lot about this week how, so on defense, they expect they're going to be good, but it's with a bunch of new pieces, entirely new inside linebacker room, several new DBs, and the depth chart came out and there are a bunch of ors on there, or, 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 or. So they're not committing to starters at several different spots. And his point was, this is a matchup league at this point, and we've got to have the depth and the the uh, versatility in depth to be able to match up with teams like this. And so one of my big questions for him is, you know, with that being the case, what do those matchups look like? If, if specific matchups are going to tell the story for you, as you say, who are you putting on George Kittle? If he's healthy enough to play, how do you handle Christian McCaffrey? Cause the Steelers have all these new pieces and they feel like it makes them a little more versatile and what they can cover defensively. But what does that look like week one against a team? that's going to test you matching up like just about no other. Put you on the spot a little bit. I apologize for that. But I mean, you're, you're mentioning, I think that's what makes the Steelers so interesting heading into this season is 
there's so many young names on this team that that maybe they're not household names right now. They could be by the end of Sunday. If we don't include Kenny Pickett, because I think, you know, most people know the quarterback, but if we don't include Kenny Pickett, who is who is a young Steeler that you personally are curious to see? I think it's going to be cool to see Joey Porter Jr. You know, another Joey yes. Porter wearing a Steelers uniform. And there's a chance he's one of those guys that's in the or category, but there's a good chance that he takes the snaps with the ones at outside corner and Patrick Peterson winds up playing inside. So, I mean, what a challenge right away for a rookie corner defending a guy like Brandon Ayuk on the outside, Juan Jennings, the size he has. So certainly interested to see how he, how he factors into things already in Pittsburgh. On the flip side of that, I mean, like I said, it goes without saying, I think the vast majority of us are are penciling the Niners into the playoff conversation, into the Super Bowl conversation, which is a crazy thing to say about a team that doesn't have a completely settled quarterback situation. What are you expecting to see or, or what do you hope to see from Brock Purdy, who again, is has only started a handful of games in this league. And on top of that is coming off of a major injury to his throwing arm. What are you hoping to see or, or what should the expectation be? Because I do think it's incredibly interesting that a team with such an unproven quarterback uh, it's is looked at as such a lock to make a deep run in this season. Yeah, I think that they would probably like to disagree with you, Dave, and they would like to say that it is settled, that Brock Purdy is their guy and he's ready to go. And we'll see. You know, it was, as you said, a pretty small sample that we saw last year, but an impressively uh, an impressive small sample from Brock Purdy, enough so that they obviously move on from Trey Lance. Sam Darnold comes in as the backup and Purdy, after five regular season starts, after the postseason run, the elbow surgery, and a quick turnaround from that, we're talking six months post-surgery, is going to be there. And it is a, it's a really fascinating dynamic and that this is a Super Bowl-ready roster. And it's funny, this is the same conversation we were having week one about the Niners last year. A Super Bowl-ready roster with a quarterback that they feel good about but you can't say you're completely convinced of last year it was Trey Lance that we were talking about as that guy this year, it's Brock Purdy, but with the same star studded cast around him. I think that's what makes the Niners perennially interesting is, I mean, it's such a quarterback league, but the Niners are your answer to, well, what if you had everything else? Uh, and yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan would like to see things go a little bit differently at the quarterback position this year. Uh, I have, I, I'm going to leave you off just with this. My own curiosity, like I said, at the top of the interview, you, you are a man of, of so many duties and so many talents. I'm curious. So you're, you're calling week one here, Niners Steelers, but you also have the most important time in the baseball season on your plate right now, whether it's the Dodgers or whether it's the MLB playoffs coming up here in a month or so. Can you take us inside how you juggle all this stuff? I mean, if you've got to worry about two different rosters with a hundred players on it for a football game, how are you doing that at the same time uh, while you're keeping the Dodgers bullpen straight? I mean, how do you, how do you juggle all of this information? I'm lucky this week, Dave, I don't have any Dodger games this week. Um, I'm not on the road trip through Miami and DC, so I'm able to focus on football this week, but to give you a, a little better example of what it normally is like, I'll do the game Sunday in Pittsburgh, Monday, Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday next week. I'll be on Dodger games. And obviously the prep that comes 
during the day getting ready for those games that night. Wednesday, I'll fly to Baltimore for Orioles Rays on Thursday. Friday, we'll fly to Tampa and have Bucks and Bears next weekend, only to start it all over again the next day back at Dodger Stadium. So it is a lot this time of year, but uh, it's pretty easy to, to say, hey, as soon as it starts feeling like a lot or you know, the prep stacks up, it's it's very easy for me to take a step back and just think about how lucky I am and and how I know there are a million people that would trade places to be, you know, to have this long list of work to do, including myself of five years ago, of 20 years ago. I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to. Absolutely. And I'm, for the record, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's it's a dream to be here previewing yeah. uh, the upcoming season. I'm just curious, and, and you're a pro's pro. I'm guessing this doesn't bother you anymore. But like, are there times in your career where you're dreaming about depth charts or like waking up with with statistics in your head? I just feel like you have to. There's just no way. Yeah, no, the dreams that I have, Dave, are the ones and maybe you have some similar to this, but where I'm like late to a broadcast or stuck in traffic or something. And it's getting close to the broadcast going on the air and I'm not even at the stadium yet. So I guess that's the way that these crazy stretches manifest for me in my dreams and in my stress. But yeah, no, it's. I think if you let yourself get caught up in it and the the difference in sports and the difference between doing the Dodgers and doing a national baseball game, yeah, it could probably uh, probably stack up and create some stress, but I do my best not to go down that path any more than uh, I have to when I can, when I'm awake, when I can control those thoughts. Absolutely. Well, hey, I, I hope, you know, have a fantastic call here. Uh, Steelers 49ers, looking forward to it. Thank you so much for the time, Joe Davis. We'll catch you next time. Hey, Dave, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks again to Joe for the assist. I was all over the Steelers a week ago. It's just, it felt like a situation for an upset, but Nick Bosa's back in the fold. I'm not going to overthink the drastic amount of talent on that roster. I'm taking the Steelers in a close one, but 23, 19 San Francisco win. All right, let's get to my specialty. Last game of the day on Sunday, certainly not the least, the Dallas Cowboys going up to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. What better way to find out if the New York Giants are for real than to pit them against an NFC favorite who also has their number? And in case you haven't heard it this week, that is absolutely the case. The Giants swept the Cowboys in 2016 when Dak Prescott was a rookie. Since then, they've beaten the Cowboys once, and that came in 2020 when Dak Prescott had long been out of the lineup with an injury. I believe it was Andy Dalton that played in that game, and it was one of the more forgettable football games I've ever watched. That's what this rivalry has been like over the last six, seven years. Even last year, with the Giants making the playoffs, they got swept by the Cowboys. They lost to Cooper Rush while Dak was out with a thumb injury, and they lost again later in the year, and it wasn't as close as the final score looked. So that's what's at stake. It's as simple as that. For the Giants, this is a huge opportunity to announce yourselves. You win this game. You beat a longtime tormentor. You beat a division rival that you haven't beaten very often recently, and you announce yourselves as somebody worth taking seriously. For the Cowboys, Sorry, guys, this is what you're supposed to do. Even with all the hype about the Giants and as feisty as they're supposed to be, if you have Super Bowl aspirations and you have a history of beating the Giants, 
you're supposed to win this game. That's why your favorites on the road at night in MetLife stadium. I can't wait to see. I think it's going to be much more entertaining than a lot of these Cowboys giants games have been in recent years. Here's something I think you need to keep your eye on Dallas feeling a little bit antsy about your offensive line. Aren't you? They made it all the way through training camp without so much as a hiccup. And we get to the season, Tyler Smith, the second year guard who was phenomenal last year at left tackle has a hamstring injury. The Cowboys probably aren't going to know his status until Saturday before they get on the plane to go to New York. If that wasn't bad enough, the guy he replaced at left tackle Tyron Smith, the potential hall of famer who has dealt with an injury issue for the last six, seven years in a row. He's on the injury report now with a tweaked ankle. Now, The word coming out of Dallas is that the ankle is not something to be overly concerned with, but don't lie to me, Cowboy fans. If Tyron Smith's name shows up on the injury report, you're worried about it. And Tyler Smith is the exact spot on this offensive line. You can't afford to lose. The Cowboys decided not to do much at the guard position in the off season. They didn't draft one highly. They didn't really spend a lot of money on a backup. They're not very fond of dropping stacks in free agency. As you're well aware, Connor McGovern's off to Buffalo. Osiris Torrance, ironically, the guy they might've drafted is also in Buffalo. If Tyler Smith can't go, you're talking about either a rookie awesome Richards, the fifth round pick or TJ Bass, the undrafted free agent, or maybe the journeyman Chuma Udoga stepping in and guess what? If there is a spot in this matchup where the giants have the advantage, it's defensive tackle. Maybe you've heard of Dexter Lawrence playing on a 90 million contract extension by virtue of what a badass he was last year. Maybe you've heard of Leonard Williams, the former jet who became a giant who started to play up to his draft stock. Yeah. The giants are feisty in the middle. I'll throw in a Sean Robinson as well. A very solid rotational guy in the middle. There some incredible incredible beef on that giants front. I know Zach Martin is a hall of famer. I know Tyler Biotish is a good center. I don't like that matchup for the Cowboys. If Tyler Smith can't go. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on on the flip side. It's not all doom and gloom though. Cowboy fans, because as you're aware, you've got some fun guys on your defensive front as well. If you're a football nerd, try not to follow the ball in this matchup. When the giants have the ball, Check out Andrew Thomas at left tackle and Evan Neal at right tackle going against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. I think that is going to be fun, fun football. Andrew Thomas just got paid. He's one of the best young left tackles in the game. Well, guess what? Micah Parsons is going to get paid in less than a calendar year. If I had to bet, and he is one of the best pass rushers in the league. Evan Neal highly drafted to play that right side. Didn't look like it last year. The giants need him to step up and guess what? DeMarcus Lawrence is no slouch. He's been an all pro. And by the way, Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator is smart enough to know. uh, Well, let's put Micah on the guy who's not as good. I love that. I, I love how eventually somebody was like, who cares if he's a left end or a right end? Let's put him on the guy. Who's not as good. I can't wait to see how that matches up and who gets the better in that pass rush situation over on the other side of the ball. How about this giants passing attack for as well as Brian Dable got Daniel Jones to play last year. Critics are very quick to point out my man averaged 6.8 yards per attempt last year. 
He was near the bottom of the league in terms of quarterbacks that started double digit games. Daniel Jones was at the very bottom of the league and actually attacking downfield. He also, if you like pro football focus, he only managed seven big time throws. Now, when I say that, when I say big time throw, you're talking about a high degree of difficulty throw, very accurate, very well timed into a tight window typically downfield, like that type of stuff. You know a big-time throw when you see it. Daniel Jones threw seven all season. Now I can hear the Giants fans. Look at his receiver core last year. Tell me who he was supposed to throw those balls to. Well, I don't think that holds water in 2023. They traded for Darren Waller, who, when healthy, has been a phenomenal downfield tight end. I know it feels like ancient history, but it's only two or three years ago that he was an 1,100-yard type of receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then they just, I love the way the Giants approached this, where they just went out and just acquired a slew of receivers, whether it was Paris Campbell, whether it was putting Cole Beasley on their practice squad, or the guy that I want to talk about, Jalen Hyatt, the third round pick out of Tennessee, 4-4 speedster. I think you're going to see him, you're going to recognize him instantly because he's going to be wearing Odell Beckham Jr.'s old number 13, which that in and of itself is going to be fun as hell to see a New York Giant player wearing number 13. These are the types of guys Daniel Jones has. Now, these are the types of guys that should be able to win matchups downfield and give you a much more respectable yards per attempt. Now the Cowboys happen to have one of the best secondaries in the entire league. Again, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Look, I'm biased. If you know my career, I spent 10 years covering the Dallas Cowboys. I'll be blunt. I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones, at least not yet but he has the talent to prove me wrong. I can't wait to see what that looks like. One last quick nugget on this one. Do you realize the giants are starting two rookies at cornerback? Deontay banks is obvious and easy. He's a first round pick. I think you could have seen that coming, but the giants moving a Dory Jackson into the slot have named sixth round pick Trey Hawkins as a starter. I mean, that's exciting. It's exciting if two rookies have a chance to make your starting lineup. And if they're good at their jobs, it's big for New York. We all know Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants. He lives off of the blitz. He would love nothing more than to have his corners handle their guys and send pressure everywhere else. If they're good at their jobs, that's awesome. But again, like I said about Darnell Wright a little while ago, can you think of a better baptism than this in the NFL? Week one, season one. Hey, how about you line up and go take care of C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Brandon Cooks? It might not be the most explosive receiver core in the NFL, but it's one of the deepest and one of the best. Dak Prescott should have guys open, or maybe we'll be sitting here on Monday talking about the lockdown cornerback tandem in New York and, and how crazy that city is going to go about that. It's not going to be as easy as it was for the Cowboys for all these years. I've watched a lot of Cowboy beatdowns of the Giants. I think this is going to be a much closer and much more entertaining game. I'm still going to ride with Dak Prescott. I'm still going to ride with the Cowboys. They've got the better roster. They've got the better quarterback. I think it's close late. And then I think the Cowboys score to put it away in a 30 to 21 win. All right, y'all, we are running a little short on time, but very long on games. We've still got 12 to cover and not a lot of time to do it. You've got places to be. I've got stuff to do before kickoff, but we're going to at least touch on every single one of these games. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have our, our awesome team of producers give me three and a half minutes 
And if I, I, I can do it, I can get through every single one of these matchups, get a pick in, get a take in and just have a blast. So without further ado, I can just mentally prepare myself. Let's get after it. Starting with the Miami dolphins coming right here to Los Angeles to visit the LA chargers. I don't need to tell you anything about the offenses in this game. You know, all about Waddle and Tyreek and Tua and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and all of the gigantic receivers that play for the chargers. But don't forget about the defensive aspect of this. Brandon Staley, the head coach in LA came up under Vic Fangio, who is now the defensive coordinator for the dolphins. Ronaldo Hill is working under Fangio in Miami. He used to be the chargers D coordinator. That is a fascinating wrinkle that makes the defenses just as interesting as the offenses. I got the chargers Excuse me. I got the dolphins winning a really fun one, 28 to 26, moving on to Bengals at Browns. It's easy to jump on the new $275 million man, Joe Burrow, and say that they're going to win. Keep in mind, Joe is one and four against the Browns so far in his career. He's and two against, and he's and two in Cleveland where this game is being played. And he's one and two in season openers. The calf injury robbed him of training camp. I think it's going to be tough. I got the Bengals winning, but I think it's going to be a lot more stressful than people think Texans at Ravens. All right. I'm going to save some time here. What two, two and a half minutes Ravens cover, whatever minus 10 CJ Stroud. I'm excited to watch you, but Ravens, I got it easy Panthers at Falcons. What a vibe game. I feel like the winner of this is going to be super excited about being better than expected. And the loser is going to be very depressed about how the season might go. You want me to pick the Falcons. They have all the offensive firepower. But remember the name Panthers defensive coordinator, Ijero Ivero. That is an underrated defense in Charlotte. I don't know how it happens, but it feels very Falcons. If the Panthers fight a way to win this game, Buccaneers at Vikings. I want so badly to pick Baker Mayfield to pull this off. It feels like he can find at least one rabbit in his hat. I think the Vikings are a better team and I think they're at home. Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson, get it done. I am taking way too long. This one's easy. I'm going to save some time here. Sorry, Titans, Mike Vrabel. love the way you coach a defense, but the saints are one of my surprise teams of the year. I think they win fairly easily. And I think the same thing about Cardinals at commanders. I think Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are going to get to know Josh Dobbs very, very well. I think the commanders start off this new ownership era with a big win over the Cardinals Jags Colts looks easy on paper, but it's the AFC South. Do not write anything off in that insane division. Remember what happened to the Colts missing out on the playoffs two years ago at the hands of a sorry Jags team. All of that said, I think the Jags get it done, but don't be surprised if Anthony Richardson and company make it a little more stressful than you think. Eagles at Patriots, such a good test for the reigning NFC champs, nasty defense for Jalen hurts and company to try to figure out. And it's a nice offense, maybe not the best offense, but a nice offense uh, for these young Eagles, Georgia bulldog defenders to go against. I've got the Eagles getting it done. Raiders at Broncos. Again, I just think the Broncos have too many advantages, but don't be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo looks cleaner than Russell Wilson. Remember Jimmy Garoppolo's history with Sean McDaniels. Keep an eye on the Raiders, but I got the Broncos winning Rams and Seahawks easy Seahawks are going to win that game. I don't believe in the Rams until proven otherwise bills at jets. All the hype is on a rod in the big apple. Do not forget that Josh Allen is that dude. And I think he proves it. I'm a little bit over, but I feel good about it. That is the entirety of week one. 
Can't wait to see how well or how poorly that ages. That does it. Next time we talk, we'll have a full slate of games to go over. No more prognosticating, purely reaction. Guys, this is so much fun. Can't wait to do it all season long. Come find me on Monday for all of the hot takes, overreactions. It's going to be a blast. See you next time.